As always, Music for the Beast Smith podcast is brought to you by 16OS. You can check him out at im16os.com. And this week, we are talking about the Braves firing of Freddy Gonzalez. We're going to get the fan reaction from my buddy Tim Graham. And then we're going to chat with Tanae about who's to blame when things at a workplace go wrong. Looking at the man right now. Said we was coming and they see we wasn't playing right now. We ain't playing right now. All right, you're listening to the Beast Smith Podcast, now available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And this week, we are talking about scapegoats. Everybody has scapegoats at their job, and the Atlanta Braves are no different. As you probably know by now, they fired their manager, Freddie Gonzalez, after a 9 and, what are they now, 9 and 28 start, something like that? 9 28, yep. Nine and twenty-eight, and I'm joined by Tim Graham, fellow Braves fan. At least I think you're still a Braves fan at this point. Are you still hanging in there? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll stick with him. You know, a lot of people went out a couple of years ago when they first announced the, the new stadium deal, and I thought it was kind of weird at first. But I said, uh, I'll figure I'll stay on. It might be nice out there. And then they decided to do the whole teardown, and that's when I started to get kind of skeptical. And um, now I'm just not sure what to think anymore. Uh, what, what's your reaction? What was your initial reaction when you heard that Freddie Gonzalez was fired? Uh, the first first reaction was, okay. I mean, we're still going to lose 100 games this year, so who cares? I, I, just, I, I guess my question is, why didn't you do it to begin the season? Because we were still going to lose. Like I think we had all accepted that we were going to lose this year. So why wait? Why even pretend that like he's you have any confidence in your your manager just to fire him after forty games? Well, I thought that was strange too. And what I really thought was weird was I believe it was around the middle of last year or early last year where they actually extended his contract for a year because initially it was supposed to be up after last season, but then they bumped him up for a year. So I'm thinking like you were okay. He's at least good for the 2016 season. Otherwise, why would they have extended his contract when they know that they're going to lose? But to do it at this point in a season where everybody knew you were going to be bad, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know whether or not they're just trying to shift the blame, which everybody knows, you know, he has a a bad team. So it's really not his fault or if they're just doing it to maybe get people excited for next year already because this year just seems like a waste. What do you think their motivation was for, for doing it at this point? I, honestly, I, I don't know. That's I guess that's the biggest question about it. Like, it doesn't it honestly doesn't make sense. Like if you if you're saying, okay, we're gonna look towards the future, then you probably shouldn't have an interim coach in there. You should probably have your, your next coach lined up. That's the case. You should again. You should have fired him before the season even started, so you can kind of start building your roster of the future now. But so again, to fire him at this point makes zero sense in any way. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I'll say this: I I was not, or excuse me, I am not, and I was not a fan of Freddie Gonzalez. I thought that if they were going to do this. They sh- they could have and they probably should have done it a few years ago. To me, the first sign that that he wasn't going to be the guy 
was when they had that NLDS series against the Dodgers. I want to say it was in 2013 or sometime around there where they're leading going into like the seventh or the eighth inning. David Carpenter starting to basically implode. You could tell that that he didn't have his good stuff that night. And Craig Kimbrell is warming up in the bullpen. And rather than bring him in to, to pitch the eighth and the ninth innings, or even just the eighth, even just to get out of the eighth inning, he left Craig Kimbrell, the best reliever in baseball, in the bullpen, and the Braves proceeded to lose the game and therefore the series. To me, that, that was a sign that, okay, this guy's not going to take you where you want to go, where the fans want you to go. Um, so, it, 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 again, it just seems strange to me. The, the whole timing of everything is just very, very weird. Do you think that there's anybody who could have done better with this team? Obviously, they weren't going to have a, a winning record, but could anybody have done better than Freddie did this year? Um. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can, how any any coach or manager can say, "Hey, Eric Ibar, field a grounder, like stop committing twenty errors a game." Like he has, he had a roster, and he got to do what he could with it. So I, I can't imagine anyone going in there and just making it better. And that's that's kind of the thing about baseball. Like, the, I, like everyone says, the manager doesn't really do much until like the seventh inning. And for a reason, because everyone knows goes out there and they, they know what to do. So you can't really, you can't really coach them up in, in any way. So I, I, I can't see anyone coming in and just making the team that much better. Well, I always thought that, like you said, the manager's role is very limited in baseball, and I thought that you could you you could really throw anybody out there um, as a manager and have them be an okay strategist, maybe even a bad strategist as long as he took care of things off the field, because to me where good teams fall apart is where you let off the field drama kind of eat you away from the inside. We've seen that with the nationals the last couple of seasons, and that's why they brought in a new manager. So you're right. Like you said, a manager, even the best ones have a very limited role in the actual game. Having said that, do you think there was anything that Freddie Gonzalez could have done differently this year to keep his job? Or was this a foregone conclusion at the start of the season? Uh, I, it was probably foregone, but I, I feel like this firing had like a lot to do with, with what he's done in the past more than anything that's happened this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the, the timing of it is weird, but I, I think it was going to come eventually. It was just, like you said, he's made a lot of bad decisions, a lot of bad managerial decisions, just either keeping the pitcher in too long or taking him out too early and it's just kind of started adding up. So I, I feel like this is more of a, okay, we let's just start over. You haven't done anything for us in the past. Five seasons or so that, that he's been managing, I think five or six years, something like that. It might, might be even longer that, that he was at the helm, but he's gone now. He was replaced with Brian Snicker, who had actually been in the Braves organization? I didn't. I didn't realize this. Uh, between his time as a player and a coach, minor league manager for forty years, so he, now he's finally going to get a chance to manage the Braves, but not really because you. Do you expect Brian Snicker to last past the rest of this season as the manager going forward? I don't think he would want to. I, like you kind of. <laughs> I, I feel like he's in a good spot at the AAA. Like, like there's never any pressure on you. You just keep building up your, your roster. Keep you know, developing players and stuff. And you're kind of, kind of set. Like, again, once you get to, to 
the big leagues, you're kind of, okay, you have to perform and, and do well or you're done. So honestly, I don't know if you would want to. I'm not sure if I would have wanted to if I were him because he was in a position as the manager of a triple A Gwinnett that I equate to being a backup quarterback, which means that you pretty much have a, a really nice job because you're probably making good money. But like you said, you don't have that pressure on you to, to win and succeed every week because nobody's really paying attention. And so now I guess for Snicker, but I don't, I don't expect him to last beyond this season, which again makes the whole transition weird because what I didn't understand about it was why do you uproot why, why do you basically disrupt your triple A team as well? So now you're messing up two different parts of your organization because instead of naming an interim manager who was already on the major league coaching staff, which to me would have made the most sense. Now you're bringing up, I think two different coaches from triple A. So you have to replace them along with readjusting almost your entire on field staff at the major league level. So it seems like they just created a giant mess in a, in a place and in an organization where mess seems to be the word for the entire season so far. Yeah. And I guess they're thinking is, Hey, let's just throw it out there see what happens. See if anything sticks, which again, at the beginning of the season would have made sense, but 40 games in, why are you doing this right now? Well, it's, it's, it's so bad. And these things usually only turn around when there was actual talent, on the team to begin with. And when they hadn't dug themselves into this deep a hole, I think last I checked the Braves were on track to win something around 40 games, which is terrible. I'm, I, I want to say that would be, if not an all time major league record, very close to it for fewest wins in a season. So this, this season to me is, isn't even salvageable. So I don't know why you muddy it up like this with, with firing a guy the way that they did Freddie again, not, I'm not a Freddie fan, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. There's a there's a good time and a bad time to do things, and it seems like they just they screwed this up as poorly as you possibly could. Are you optimistic for next season or going forward in the future as a as, next, a, as a Braves fan? Next season, no. The season after, possibly. Why is that? Because uh, again, if we have if Malik Smith continues to to improve, and we bring up Albies, we bring up uh, Danny Swanson. And we, if we, if we're smart and actually keep uh, Edner and Ciarte, then we kind of have a good core, a good, a good five or six players that will play every day, and hopefully they'll hit. We, we, again, we'll have to find somebody with with a power bat somewhere, probably at third base and probably right field too, because I, I can't imagine Marquez being here for much longer. But between between those guys and, and Freddie and and the the young pitching that we have now, which our starting pitching has actually been a bright spot so far this season. I, I think we'll have the pieces in place, but we, we it's going to be a tough getting there, I think. Now, aside from Freddie Freeman, all those guys you just mentioned as being great pieces going forward to hopefully ensure the Braves' success were acquired by this current administration. Um, the three Johns is what they call them. Sherholtz, uh, Coppola, and John Hart, who are basically pulling the strings right now in the Braves organization. So those guys brought in the players that we're all optimistic about, but they're also behind this this weird Freddie firing. So do you trust this administration going forward to not screw things up? Because again, I, I, I agree with you. I think that they do have a nice core and some some of those guys in the major leagues right now, but also some guys in the minors who we haven't seen yet. And I think the talent could be there, but do you trust the the three Johns 
to continue to develop that talent once everybody's at the major league level or to bring in other talent from other teams right now to kind of fortify everything? Uh, I, I think they're going to have to just not stop stop trying to, to, to change it too much. I think they're going to have to – again, they're going to have to – if it's not doing well this season or next season, keep them out there. Let, let's see what happens. And I think they're just going to have to – to be okay with losing or not being great right now. And I, I think honestly, I, I, they haven't said it, but I think that's kind of why they brought Chipper in. Cause mm-hmm. I think he's kind of a voice of reason to kind of say, Hey, relax. <laughs> like they'll develop. You have to give it time and stuff. So I think, you know, former players and the people who've been around baseball and been around this organization for a while, they're going to have to be the ones to say, Hey, just relax. Let them develop. Let's see what happens. Don't don't overreact. Don't jump in or don't blow it up again. Yeah. Well, that's been their mo. It seems like since last season, really is is putting a lot of emphasis on bringing back some of the old faces from when they were good. It's actually funny because I think almost every bobblehead that they're giving out this year is from somebody who used to work for the team or used to play for the team. Basically somebody who's not, doesn't have anything to do with the team. Now it seems like that's all the, all the marketing giveaways they're having. So it's weird because it's like, they're simultaneously celebrating the past while also asking all the fans to, to look forward to the future. Um, Final, final question. And then we'll, we'll wrap things up here. What do you think is the Braves final record this year? Oh, this year. Yeah. Um, Let's see, they're 928 right now. Jeez. I, I, I think they oh, – goodness. I, I, what's the record for, like, the most losses in the season? Gosh, it's got – I know the Tigers about a decade ago lost maybe, like, 115 games or something like that. I know there have been several teams, obviously, that have lost over 100. So okay, so the all-time record is the 1899 Cleveland Spiders. They finished 20 and 134 in the modern era, if you want to call this modern. The Philadelphia Athletics, way before they moved to Oakland, were 36 and 117. Jeez, yeah. Because here's here's the thing: like, if we're gonna be bad, I will rather us be historically bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> like like that honestly they use a reason to go to games like to see a team that bad on the field just go for the the most lost record that would be amazing I, and you know what actually that wasn't my last question i'll ask you this too How, are you planning on going to any more games this year oh yeah, yeah tickets are are dirt cheap are you kidding me heck yeah they are have, have have you seen this uh this new ballpark at the ballpark app i'm not okay so you gotta download it next time you go to the game because Basically, if you play it right, meaning that if there's not a lot of people there, you can get the seats right behind home plate. Not not in like the Hank Aaron seats that are basically on the ground, but the ones right above that, still lower level. You can basically end up paying like thirty bucks to get that. And oh, here, that's not terrible. And here's how you do it. So you go to the game and then you pay. And I might, well, I'll, I'll leave it in. Whatever, it's not illegal. So you go to the game and you get the general admission seats that are like eight bucks. Now, when you get into the ballpark. About 15 minutes before first pitch, you can pull up the At the Ballpark app and go to this feature that says Upgrade Your Seats. And you can upgrade to the best seats in the house for like an extra 22 bucks. Wow. Yeah. 
I did it last time I went, and it it was it was like in two clicks. You're done. You just show your phone to the usher, and those those are your new seats. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start doing that. Yeah, man. To be fair though, like those general mission seats are amazing because you just get all the drunk people up there just complaining about the Braves. They're more entertaining. That's it really is. The last game I went to was the Red Sox game early this year, and we're at the top top deck and. We sat next to the to these three women who were from Boston. This oh, wow. and it was like the mom, a mom and her two her two uh, girls, and they were all a little bit older. And she was drunk come seven o'clock, so she was just yelling the entire game. It was probably the best experience I've ever had at ball game. She had that heavy Boston accent too. It was amazing. Yeah, that was that was one big difference I noticed after I did the seat upgrade. The people sitting down low are not nearly as entertaining. No, because they don't care. They're no. just there to be there. Yeah, there's well, they're just there to be there and buy like five sweet waters for nine seventy five a piece, which I'll never understand. But yeah, that won't be the same way at the uh, was it Mercedes Dome Super whatever it is. Oh my gosh, I'm I, man, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on that one. Oh yeah, that'll hey, be bad. In case anybody doesn't know, what we're talking about the Falcons are. Uh, the Falcons are, are lowering concession prices drastically. They're having basically everything for like two or three dollars, something like that. Five dollar beers. Yeah, five dollar beers. But how much of the ticket is gonna cost? A lot. <laughs> just just no, a lot. You're gonna give up both your arm and a leg to get in the nosebleeds. It's gonna be a lot. Probably more than that. Anyway, thank you thank you again for, for joining me, Tim. We'll hope the Braves get a little bit better later on. And this decade, maybe. Well, shoot, this decade's almost up. You think will, will the Braves make a World Series by the end of the decade? The end of the the decade? Yeah, like twenty twenty, we'll say. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, because we we're in two years, we're gonna probably we're probably gonna have the best division in baseball. Think about it between the Nationals and Mets. The Marlins and even the Phillies. The Phillies are starting to do better. We might have the toughest division of baseball, so. I'm gonna say no. Yeah. One time. Alright, man. Thanks as always. Yeah, no problem, man. Let's play the flame game for sure. Things used to be, now they're not. Anything but us is who we are. Disguise and ourselves as secret lovers, we've become public enemies. We walk away like strangers in the street, gone for eternity. We erase one another, so far from where we came. With so much of everything, how do we leave with nothing? Lack of visual empathy equates the meaning of L-O-V-E. Hatred and attitude tear us entirely. Chloe Mitchell. Hating A. Hey there! I love you. You always, we always go through this tonight. You're gonna blow my speakers out. <laughs> I have a high energy personality. What do you want me to do? Have a low energy personality like me. No, that's why opposites attract here. Well, I suppose so. <laughs> anyway, so Tanae is here, everyone, because she has a real job. Not that I don't, but hers is, she's actually been placed in charge of people which i only was able to do when i kind of did it in a backhanded way but that's another story so 
Tanae is an HR professional, and she is responsible for hiring and sometimes doing the opposite of hiring of employees. So um, she's really responsible. She um, got this job because she's capable of making great decisions, and she does so on a regular basis. And I thought that she would be a good person to answer these tough questions that I have about what you do as a person in management, as a person in power, when you have a situation where an employee is not doing so well, but they can maybe make the argument, and actually they can make the argument that they weren't given the resources to do well. So what happens from there? That's what we're going to talk about today. So today, um, thank you again for joining me. Not that you had much of a choice, because I mean, you know, it would have probably caused some friction if you would have said no, right? Really? You will disown me? I I didn't say that. Those are your words. I'm just saying things would have been a little awkward next time we got together. Mm, okay. Yeah. Moving forward. Somebody would have been walking home. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so rude. <laughs> I'm just being me. So we'll kick it off by, I'll ask you this tonight, HR professional. Mm. Who do you blame when an incompetent employee fails while being given inadequate support from management and well well let let, 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 let me back up and i'll ask that question again in a second because i think people people have heard me explain what you do but you you kind of explain it what, what's the general scope of your job as it relates to managing people lord that's a loaded question let me pull out my list of core roles in one <laughs> sentence explain what you do how's that uh, but no, I'm um, specifically um, so, solely responsible for the sourcing, training, development of um, employees that that come in and um, managing their development and training along along the way that they've been with the company, um, giving them the resources that they need, just the overseer of that, and also some other um, duties that come along with. The rest of the company as well. So really, a big part of your job is managing people, right? Yes. Managing people and managing their performance with the company and from time to time evaluating that performance from the day that they're interviewed to hire to whatever else happens after that, correct? Yes. Majority of the time. Gotcha. So let me ask you this then. Um, in, In response to that, who is it that you blame or who should one blame theoretically when an incompetent employee fails while being given inadequate support from management? Well, I think the answer is in the question itself. Like if they're failing because they were given um, inappropriate or not inappropriate, but um, insufficient amount of resources and tools for them to be successful in the first place, then it falls on the management and the company. So, like, my whole thing is either you don't know or you don't care. So, if it's if it's a don't know aspect, then you truly don't know. You haven't been given the proper training and materials and resources to be successful there. On the other hand, if you're failing because you just don't care, you've been given all those things and you're still just like, you know, I don't really, it doesn't face me, I could care less. <laughs> Um, but on the flip side, where more so what you're asking me, it will fall on the management side if they haven't been given the training and resources to be successful. 
Right, but what if this person is a complete bozo? In, in in the eyes of management, regardless of whether or not that's that's the truth, in the eyes of management, in the eyes of their peers, what if even what what if everybody feels as though even if they would have been given tools to succeed, they would have figured out some way to screw it up, or any success would not have been because of them? Is it still on that employee when things go wrong? Because it would have happened anyway to some extent because they were incompetent. Okay, but then you gotta look at. When those things start happening, you're saying everyone feels that this person is incompetent just as a person, just not even behavioral-wise. When I think of that, I think of just your your sourcing, like from the company standpoint and from um, a managerial perspective. Like, what are you doing at the very forefront when you're hiring that person? Like, what are you looking for? Like, we think of the retention and trying to retain successful, amazing employees for your company, whatever that may be, sourcing great talent puts out a lot of the house and a lot of that trouble in the very beginning. Okay, so on on the topic of sourcing great talent, what are some of the risks of hiring somebody for a position in which they have very little experience? So somebody comes to you asking for a position that, say, you want five years experience for, but they only have two. What are the risks of hiring that person? Well, training is not free. So, I mean, every company is different, but it's very expensive to onboard and train a individual employee. Of course, like I can say every company is different, but you have to think of, when you think of a risk, you say, well, if, am I willing to wager on this person? Like, oh my goodness, I see great potential, um, great attitude. They really have a desire to learn and grow, and they really do want to be successful here. Um, am I willing to kind of make that financial decision? So that's one of the major risks that I've seen in my personal career experience. What about as it relates to their ultimate performance? Do you feel like it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be a little riskier hiring somebody who doesn't have the experience that you're looking for, but is the risk so great that you're better off not hiring them and not taking a chance in most cases? No, because you never know what can be underneath or a person like that potential is powerful. In my opinion, um, like if we were to just go about and say, Oh, well, they're not the picture perfect person that we were envisioning or on paper. They're just not really what we, really want it for our company or I just don't have the time to invest in this particular team member then I feel like no one would have a job <laughs> uh, especially starting out so you have to take a chance at some point but it's the investment of both parties both that employee and then the, the employer managerial staff together trying to work towards the development for the future success of that employee how important is it for employers is it important for employers to provide resources to make sure that the people working for them have what they need to do the job and do the job right? Well, like going back to the previous answer, like I stated before, like if we're investing so much of our time and money financially into this person to be successful, and then if this is a company where you're in front of people, like in the service industry, you want the best of the best. You want an amazing team. So if you're just throwing somebody out there, and then you're losing profits because this person isn't as great um, in front of in front of people because they haven't had enough training, and then it creates a domino effect there. So it's it's essentially it's 
creating a negative impact on the company if you're not supplying those essential resources because you're essentially setting them up for failure. Right. How can you tell when an employee doesn't care? Um. So let's just say you bring someone in with a potential kind of scenario. And say this is a great employee. Um, I think they're going to go far here. Just from just the that first impression, they might not have the that five six years of experience. Um, but we're going to take a gamble on this person. So not knowing. Um, from an employee perspective who was just recently hired. So they're doing this job, they're in this role, and of course they're gonna make mistakes if they haven't experienced those things before. It's an entirely new environment they're learning as they go. Um, if they are unwilling to accept feedback, and even with the feedback that is given to them, like critical feedback that's for the development to help them be better, um, and they're ignoring it, they're still doing their own thing, even even at, if asking if the employer or a managerial staff, supervisor, whatever have you, as, hey, I see you're not doing so well on this particular assignment. I know it's because you know you haven't had as much experience as a senior employee B, but what can I do as your employer to better help you? And they just kind of shrug and it's just kind of a nonchalant, not caring attitude. Um, I think that's where it goes into the other side very fast. But see, I've been in situations like that, and they ask me what, in past jobs, they've asked me what they can do to help. And I honestly did not know. If I'm working at the ice cream parlor, right, and Mm -hmm. they haven't told me about the new flavor that we have, but somebody comes in and says, hey, do you have this this, uh, wacky flavor I want? And I say, hell no, man! I ain't never ever, I ain't never heard of that before. Get out of here! Is it my fault as an employee for not knowing the flavors, or is it their fault for not telling me? Should I have asked? How would you know to ask? Well, some people feel like you should know to ask that you should be curious about those types of things if you're working there. I feel like you should be over, like, especially when you're training. Everyone has that probationary period. Like I said before, you should own your training and be curious and the broader life thing. But when it comes to specific details that constantly changes via company initiatives, then that's the company's fault for not communicating it to you. Okay. I kind of agree along those lines, but I know that some people feel a little differently. I know that some people feel that it's always going to be on the employee to find out what they need to know. However, they have to do that in order to perform well. But how do you know what you don't know? It's kind of how I tend to look at things. But let me ask you this to kind of wrap things up. Under what conditions is it okay to fire an employee after you admit that their poor performance was not their fault because you didn't give them the resources that they needed? And the reason why I ask that is because that's what we talked a little bit earlier about the Braves and firing their manager, Freddie Gonzalez, but when management did the press conference about the firing, they basically said, well, it's not all his fault that we've been losing so badly. So if that's the case, my question is why fire him? If it's not his fault, is is, is it ever okay to do that in your eyes? 
I would say morally, no, it's not. I think in that situation, it seems as if they were pressured to make some sort of decision. Um, that's what I think, that it was just kind of a publicity deal. And if they said that statement, I think they knew deep down that either he wasn't the right guy for the job, but still needed some additional um, tools that he didn't have available to him. Um, and they might not have agreed with the decision, but felt pressure to do so anyway. Um, right, but now he's out of a job, though. Right, which sucks. So what? Is, so what do you do in that situation, in the real world? Because I understand that it's totally different firing somebody who was a major league baseball manager and making seven figures. Because I mean, he, he's not going to starve, right? I know that's totally different than in the real world, where if you do let somebody go from a job, there is a possibility that they will go without for a while if they're not able to find something else quickly. So in in a real world scenario, you have an employee who's not doing well, but you acknowledge that it's not their fault. How do you handle that? Do you give them more training? Do you reassign them? So this is before we're terminating them. Is that what you're saying? Right. we, we, We both agree that firing them is the wrong thing to do. So then what's the solution? Because it, it, let's just assume that you've already decided that in the position they're in right now, they are not going to be, that's that's not going to be the best place for them. So do you keep or, them there and just deal with it? Or do you try to find something else for them to do? What, what what do you do if you don't let them go? Well, if they're not doing well, so outside the training they already received, let's give them some more training shifts with a senior ten- tenured person who, performs exceedingly well, if that doesn't work, then maybe let's let's reassess their strengths. What they what are they good at and then move them to an department that uh, would greatly benefit from that. Now, I know that's not conducive for all companies, but with what I've had experience with, that's what happens. Well I think I I, I actually think it is. I think that some companies are just more willing to do it than others are i understand for for some places it's a little bit easier for example if you work at a really large company it's easy for you to say okay i'm going to transfer you to this division just because you have the the manpower to cover up for whatever loss that you might take whereas in a smaller company if you lose somebody in one department you might not quickly be able to plug them in but i still feel like if you're really interested in the success of of the company as a whole you will put people where they are going to do the best. That's just my philosophy on it. Yeah, I think we give up on people too easily, to be honest. Um, you really have to take into account that I mean, a lot of people feel as though this person should operate the same as I do. We should operate at this level. And um, I think we fail to account for past life experiences. Um, strengths, limitations, all that stuff, and when people don't get it right that first time, you throw in the towel and blame them for being incompetent. But um, if the, the real issue is, what are the what is the company really wanting to invest into their employees? I mean, they're the true heart of the business. Without them, you would you'd just be you <laughs> just standing there. Um, especially when I noted before, like as expensive as it is to bring someone in and you you believe in them at some point so when does that go away so well 
very tricky situation a lot of different ways you can look at it thank you for sharing your perspective tonight i really really appreciate that Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. Looking at the man right now. Looking at the man right now. It's the man. Right. <laughs> Looking at the man right now. Looking at the man right now. Said we was coming and they see we wasn't playing right